This is the Animation Network. With this podcast, you get to tune in every week to hear top industry professionals in my network discussing network animation. Our goal here is to bring you effective tips, tricks, secrets, and practices for breaking into and navigating through the current landscape of TV animation. I'm your host, Chris Wimberly. Thanks for tuning into the network today. It's a new day, and I hope you're energized. Welcome back, networkers, to the Animation Network. We are back for a new season. This is episode 81, and it's the first episode of season 5. First off, thanks so much for staying in touch during our hiatus. We got so much love through everything like email and Twitter and Facebook and iTunes reviews. And even on the street, I was bumping into some of you guys and you guys are just so excited about this podcast and it really means a lot to us. So we really want to thank you for that. Um, Also, I had so much fun teaching you guys uh, storyboard mentorships over the last three months, as well as conducting portfolio reviews and having 30-minute mentorships, getting your career paths on track. Um, It was just really amazing to chat with you guys. So even though we were off the air, uh, we still stayed really busy and connected with all of you, just like we promised we would. We didn't disappear. Um, And speaking of staying busy, uh, we've also been planning and preparing the next tan mixer, as so many of you know about. And uh, that's because if you've been following it on Facebook and Twitter and places like that, then you already know some of the details. But I'm so proud to announce that we actually put together a partnership for this mixer with Cartoon Network Studios, and we are both super pumped to put this on. Now, if you stayed in touch with us on social media, then maybe you already know the amazing news. In fact, maybe some of you already won uh, one of the pre-release tickets. But it's going to be held at Cartoon Network Studios on the glorious, very exclusive rooftop patio in downtown Burbank. So if you're dying for a ticket still, stick around for the end of the episode so I can give you all the details. And you won't believe how easy it is to get a ticket. And I believe me, you will be very surprised at what the price of the tickets are. Okay, so... I know you're probably over the housekeeping because it's been three months that you've been waiting for this episode, so let's just jump right into it with this first tremendous interview that I was so excited to record, so let's check it out. I hope I hope you brought your A-game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, man. Cool, we'll cool. See. Um, all right, well, I'm really excited to be sitting here with, um, with my man, Scott. Um, this guy's wicked talent, just oozes from him um but rather than me introducing you um uh, because i could introduce you by a bunch of aliases um <laughs> i'm gonna let you introduce yourself could you could you introduce yourself hi i'm a voiceover guy <laughs> uh hey this is scott menville and uh i am stoked to be here chris this is very cool um i guess uh, i've been doing this professionally since i was a kid uh but most recently a lot of people know me from Teen Titans Go as Robin, mm-hmm. or from the original Teen Titans as Robin, and uh, <laughs> yeah. currently on Marvel Spider-Man, voicing Otto Octavius, aka Doc Ock, and uh, the they finally announced it, so I can say I'm uh, <laughs> voicing Stretch Armstrong in uh, new Netflix series Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters. Oh man, it's so good. Um, so I never do this, and I can't believe I just said the cliche. I never do this, but. I am such a nerd for the Robin that you do because we talked about this earlier. I'm such a big Batman fan. Yes. But you when were, you worked on Teen Titans Go also. I, I did. And when they asked me, I had to pinch myself because I, I was a fan before. I was a fan of the original series yeah. and I was a fan of Teen Titans Go. I thought it was hilarious. And then they asked me to be on it and I was just like, for real? Like, like are you serious? And... I to That's this, how I felt when they said it was coming back. For real? Oh, nice. Anyway, I, I didn't mean to cut <laughs> yeah. you off. No, no, it's fine. And what's great about it is um, my favorite part, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting in front of me, my favorite part was getting the audio tracks to board to because it's very rare that you get, um, as a board artist, it's very rare that you get the audio tracks beforehand because on show to show they'll do it differently. Maybe they'll board 
uh, they'll do the voices to the storyboards once they're drawn and all this kind of stuff. But hearing the dynamic on the cast, like you guys are just impeccable. Like oh, the acting you, and the comedy, like seriously, like a lot of us, we would sit there and just scrub through the audio, listening to the, the <laughs> jokes over and over and the alt takes, oh my gosh, they're yeah. amazing. And to be able to pick our favorite ones, they're like, yeah, whatever, whichever one you want is a rare, rare treat to like ha- be on a show like that. So, um, but you that's guys cool. I'm embarrassed job. to say, cause it is, you know, my show, our show. I didn't even know that you guys boarded to tracks cause that is rare. Yeah. But, yeah. um, yeah, that's very nice of you to say. And I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but there is magic in the room with, when you put the five of us actors together, whether it was on the original dramatic series or on this one, we're friends in real life. We feed off each other. We play well off each other. And then you add, really funny scripts on top of that mm-hmm. and two showrunners Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelinek who are so confident in what they do that they're open to other ideas so sometimes right. happy accidents will happen and they're like use that take out our line use the <laughs> the happy accident line yep. or you know they encourage alt takes or ad libs and all that and um so it's just so such a fun show to be a part of so that's cool to hear yeah. that you guys got to hear the alt tracks and all that stuff yeah there was many occasions where I'm sitting at my desk just like wiping tears like away of laughter just a- away from my face because um, they're so good and sometimes you don't know which one to pick because those al- the alts are so good and you can only use one because it's the same line just said different ways. Um, but uh, one of my favorite episodes that I boarded was, uh, do you remember the, the soccer episode? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. what was it called? Some long title, rolling rolling around on the ground, kicking a ball and comp- yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's 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 just for kicking a ball and pretending to be hurt there or something go. like that. Yeah. yeah. Which Beast Boy says, yeah, yeah, that line. It's so good. Um, so what was your, you start, I cut you off. You started to say a line from it? You, oh, no, or, no. I oh. was just saying um, the the reads from that episode oh, yeah. were just were amazing. Do you and, know about the big disclaimer we had to do at the end? No. They were afraid that, I don't know who the, they are, but uh-huh. we were told that they were uh, they were uh, afraid that it was going to be offensive to people in Europe because the Europeans take their football very seriously, what we call soccer here. Yeah. So uh, Robin had to do a disclaimer at the end of the thing, and then pretty much all the feedback we got from the European f- market and fans were how much they thought the episode was hilarious. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. Which is funny because um, so that was one of, I think that was my second episode that I had done. Um, my first episode, I was finishing off the episode called uh, Tin Man, where, yeah. um, you know, the, with the VHS, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever tapes. But um, when I uh, got that episode, it like spoke to me because I'm not a soccer fan. Neither and the whole I. thing is, yeah, the whole <laughs> thing is just like making fun of the sport, right. um, soccer. But it, it was all in good fun. And like you said, it, it you know, it turned out pretty, pretty hilarious. Titan, so. Teen Titans Go pokes fun at everything in a good natured way and are the first to poke fun at our own show and, That's and true. make fun of ourselves. That's very so. true. Yeah. There's some gems, some good episodes. In Every it. now and then we get to throw in a line about ruining somebody's childhood or what. Yeah. Know, like, so. Oh, man. Those Internet trolls are <laughs> ruthless. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right. Well, we could do a whole podcast episode just talking about Teen Titans. But I do have a bunch of other questions for you. And. One thing I do want to jump into uh, just right off the top, normally I start with asking about people's backgrounds, but you specifically, I wanted to ask about your background because um, in the voiceover world, I think people have a, a, a conception about how voice actors are just like doing funny cartoon voices, but you actually have a, a very rich background with your acting. So can you kind of give a brief history about like your your background and bio sure like how I got started or yeah 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 well because this is the animation network podcast (laughs) I am so excited to take a moment before we talk about my background Uh we have to go back to my dad my dad the late Chuck Menville was in the business started out with no connections in LA moved out here from Louisiana and enrolled in what is now CalArts it was Chenard at the time wow went through art school there supporting himself doing odd jobs and it was his dream to be an animator at Disney. He got hired on at Disney, worked on the feature film The Jungle Book. Wow. And this was before computers, obviously. So he worked on the whole, like, the King Louis, the ape sequence, that whole thing. He worked on it. He's not alive, so I can't ask him, but I think my memory is that he said he worked on it for a year and a half. No, I believe that. Animating yeah. that. And worked on it forever. 
Um, so I'm kind of, I'm very excited to be on this podcast oh, talking thanks, about that. Man. From there, he went on to be a, it all ties in with the question you asked me. Sure, sure. From there, he went on uh, with his partner who he met at Chenard slash CalArts on their first day. They became partners and oh. had a successful partnership until my dad passed in 92. Um, but they made stop motion pixelation films using live action actors. They were some of the actors. Um, and one of their films was nominated for an Academy Award in 1968 for best short. It's called Stop, Look, and Listen. And they're basically driving around in cars, but there are no cars. It's humans sitting on the seats wow. of their pants driving through the city. You yeah. can find it on YouTube or there's websites that sell all of their films. Anyway, cut to the chase. My dad sure. went on to be a story editor, writer, producer on a lot of animated shows. He mm -hmm. was working at Hanna-Barbera when I was a kid and I had been in acting classes for a few years. He heard about auditions for the Little Rascals cartoon, which he was not involved in. He was working on Smurfs at the time. Yeah. Uh, and he got the sides, which are the parts of the, for anybody who doesn't know, sides are parts of the script that they use uh, just a few lines or sometimes a couple pages to audition actors with. He brought it home and recorded me on a cassette recorder. This is how long ago this was. Wow, yeah. I was a little kid and I auditioned for several roles and my little tape went all the way, got approved by Hanna-Barbera and got approved by ABC Network and I booked the part of Spanky. Wow. From there, the late great voice director Gordon Hunt, uh -huh. father of wonderful actress Helen Hunt, oh, cool. uh, saw something in me and said, this kid's talented. He called Helen Hunt's old agent mm -hmm. and brought her down to the first session. So I booked the audition. At the first session, there's Helen Hunt's agent who watches me work through this four-hour session and at the end says, you're great, I want to sign you. And uh, so wow. from there, I got signed and, and started doing on-camera commercials and then eventually on-camera you know, guest spots on TV shows and that kind of stuff and was steadily working in voiceover all the way. So wow. that's kind of a winding way to how I got started, but it started with my dad at CalArts, like I know many talented people in the business have come out of Cal Arts and yeah so that's amazing I mean so obviously I didn't there's no way I could know all of that um, but I knew I thought that didn't put y'all to sleep <laughs> <laughs> no it's so good just do some funny voices man enough with the history <laughs> yeah because I think people just kind of assume that like well as long as I could do a funny voice you could just be get in there and do this thing but like you are actually an actor who also does voices, which is also, it's more acting, right? I'm so glad you brought that up because the key in the, in the phrase voice acting phrase, in the word voice acting, whatever, is acting. It's all acting. And it's great if you can do a funny voice at a party or it's great if you can do SpongeBob SquarePants, but Tom Kenny does a great SpongeBob SquarePants and has amazing acting chops. Yeah. You have to, it, it all comes down to acting. If, if you're not, if you don't have an intent or you know know what your character wants and know about your character, then you're just kind of a funny voice that's not really carrying much weight to it mm. and not moving things along. So it's nice. I appreciate that you brought that up. And, and yeah. many of the voice actors I've worked with are some of the most talented, fearless actors that I've worked with. Yeah. People that will just jump in and do anything. Yeah, that's, that's good. Man, that's so good. Um, and I guess... To, to go along, to explain a little bit further, let's say you can do a funny voice, and I'm not going to do a funny voice, I'll just do my voice, but uh -huh. you got to know your character, who your character is, who your character is talking to, how your character feels about the person he's talking to. So let's say my line is, <clears throat> good morning, Chris, uh -huh. and I don't like the character of Chris. It might be condescending. Good morning, Chris. Or let's say we're buddies and we were just out drinking last night and had a wild night and you're staggering into work hungover. <laughs> good morning, Chris. You know, it's a totally different intent. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. It's beautiful. I love it, man. It's so uh, captivating to watch you like essentially just in that little snippet of an example, just watching you work here in front of my face. It's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty magical. Um, but that, that, to these all you are, podcast listeners, I, before we started rolling, I got to see some of Chris's work on something that he's developing that looks pretty amazing. Oh, uh, thank you. That's extremely flattering. I did feel privileged to get to see that <laughs> stuff. Thank yeah, you. I don't show anybody. I usually keep stuff hidden under my bed. Um, <laughs> between under my bed and um, with magnets on my mom's refrigerator, that's usually where my artwork goes. Nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I appreciate the, the, the very kind words. Um but yeah, and I, I totally see that like with 
the, uh, the the times that I'm able to sit in the booth and watch you guys work, guys and extremely talented women as well work. Um, it's amazing. It's definitely amazing, and you can see that there's there's thinking happening when you guys are saying lines. It's not just saying lines. Sure. Know? I mean, and especially <clears throat> you know if you're on set on camera, you're thinking about different things. But at least the world, <clears throat> excuse me, at least the world is kind of built for you. Uh, in voice acting, you're pretty much in a studio at a mic, so you have to kind of create the world. Mm. The, the explanation and description comes in the script, but you need to know how far away is the guy I'm talking to? Is he is he 50 feet away, or is he right here, two feet away? When we're talking, um, yeah, that's and good. so yeah, there is a lot of thinking. Wow, um, and I guess that's probably where voice directors come in handy as well. Right? Absolutely, they can kind of gauge you. Cool, man. That's that's amazing. Um, so this kind of segues into another question I had for you, which is, um, you know, what what do you think are one or two correlations between on-screen acting and voice over acting? We kind of summed it up there, but, <clears throat> well, yeah, those would be correlations. A difference between on-screen acting and voice acting would be that on screen, you may be able to communicate something through a you know twitch of an eyebrow or right. body gestures. In voiceover, it all has to come through your vocal cords, right. and then the animators contribute to the other part of the performance, and that's their job to help enhance the performance through you know the raise of an eyebrow or something like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's funny you say that too. Actually, just to kind of give you a peek behind the curtain as as to what we do as the board artists you know a lot of times um you you'll do such a great job in the booth and you know like a voice director or the executive producer will like that take better than maybe what we originally intended with our drawings so it'll get kicked back to us afterward and we will think like wow that's a that's an amazing read and we'll adjust the drawing to maybe incorporate that eyebrow twinge that we can hear vocally to um help that translate to the screen that's very cool. So, I don't know. Did you know that or no? Um, I didn't know that, but I, I have had animators on a couple different shows tell me. Well, I'll, I'll just bring up Teen Titans Go. Some of the animators uh, and artists say, dude, I love animating to your tracks because it, it gives me ideas, <laughs> which is yeah. nice. That's, I mean, because it's, it's a team effort to, <laughs> to yeah. make the show happen and to make the performance happen. Yeah, you nailed it, team effort. I mean, just even on that exact point like there were times where you know robin will say something that's so dynamic that just the 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 track is everything and so with the drawing if you downplay it it highlights the vocal track and it makes it more funny yeah it's it's really it's a it's a there's a dance to it yeah for sure between everybody playing their part Yeah. yeah It's good stuff, man. Super good. Um, I love it. Okay, so what I'm curious about now is um, I'm wondering what kind of mindset does someone need to have um, in order to approach having a career in voice acting? Well, I think there are a couple different mindsets to have. Uh, I would say first and foremost, you need to realize that it's a business and we're in L.A., which is one of the top markets, one of the most competitive markets with some of the most talented people in the world. Whether you are a voice actor, whether you're a storyboard artist, whether you're a background designer, whatever, it's very competitive. And so it's not something to take lightly, meaning you gotta you got kind of put in some work and and, yeah. and and work at it and take it seriously. So whether that means for in, from an acting standpoint, uh, taking acting classes or improv or any of that kind of stuff, um, you know, if you find a good class for you, that can only help. I mean, I, I kind of breezed over it in the intro when I talked about auditioning at age 11, you know, for this job that I got at Hanna-Barbera. I had already been in acting classes for three years before that, oh, doing improv, scene study, and I still study to this day. I, wow. I coach privately in voiceover. I coach privately for on-camera stuff. I wow. am also in classes for on-camera stuff. I'm just always trying to get better, and um, so there's that. Another mindset that you have that you would need to have uh, – and this, since this is the animation network, sure. I'm speaking specifically for animation voiceover because promo and trailer and narration may be different. You've got to be willing to be playful mm. and you have to be willing to look ridiculous in the booth. And some of the, some of the greatest voice actors out there who I've worked with are, I mean, 
Frank Welker is the master. I've seen him contort his face in the most wow. odd, weird-looking ways, and I do it. And you know, if yeah. you if you watch me, I always kind of say like, I'm very physical. I stand when I do it for almost all the characters. Some characters are better to sit, but. I'm gesticulating all over the place, and I often say I probably look like Joe Cocker, like <laughs> just contorting my my body. And uh, so you got to be willing to to look ridiculous if that's what's going to get the best performance out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a big one is you've got to be willing to be a team player and a mm-hmm. collaborator because it is a collaborative effort. I've gone into callbacks before, where there are a bunch of producers in, and I'm like, okay, they they like what I did at the, on my pre-read which is the first time you read. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go and do this character and I've got it all down and I come in and they say, yeah, you know, we, we want to go a different way with it. We were thinking this, this, and that. If I sit there and go, well, actually, uh, I think what got me the callback was the way I did it before and do it that way, great, I'm long gone. Yeah, but right, right. it's not my show. It's not. It's their show. It's their vision. So you got to be willing to be a collaborator. So great. Oh, you want something like that. Okay, then let's morph it and change it and shift it this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes for any aspect of of the business. If you're a writer, you're still going to have to take notes from your showrunner. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a storyboard artist, you're oh, going to yeah. ha- you're going to get notes and you're going to have to change things. It's a collaborative effort, so you need to be a team player. That's great. Man, that's beautiful. I love and I think what's great is um we often have conversations um just around in and around the studio about, you know, and you could probably speak to this even more than myself, but um animation it certainly is a facet of the entertainment industry. It's its its, its own corner, but it's probably the nicest corner of the um, entertainment industry uh, compared to like live action. I mean, there's a lot of egos out there and stuff and people are just here to be team players and to have fun, to your point. They're really, I mean, the people who are not nice are very far and few between. It's in general, it's mostly just a bunch of really good, super talented people with not much ego who are yeah. ready to come play. Yeah. I mean, some of the kindest people I've worked with are in the animation business, whether in front of the mic or on the other side of the glass as part of the crew, or, you know, yeah, just a lot of really good quality people. That's good. Man, it feels all warm and fuzzy in here right now. <laughs> all this Let's love. hug it out, man. <laughs> um, awesome. So... I'm wondering then, what do you think might be one or two things that aspiring actors can use to gauge to see if maybe they're actually cut out for doing the job that you do? That's a great question because not everybody is cut out for it, and mm. it's okay. If you think you want to do it and you realize you don't and it's not for you, that's okay. Maybe you're meant to go into a different avenue of it. I think you have to love to act mm. because there are a lot of auditions that we do that we never book mm. and you've got to really love just you know for three minutes while I record this I am that character and so I'm gonna have fun playing that character and y- you've got to you've got to enjoy it if you're getting into it because you want to be on a panel at comic-con or <laughs> yeah. you know you want to make a lot of money yeah. um, you know, that's those things are great, but if that's your goal, I think there are probably other avenues that you should go down to try to be on a panel, panel at Comic Con or to make a lot of money. Right, right. Um, a volunteer at Comic Con. Right, right, to right. Be, to be in the panel room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, another thing to gauge about yourself if you want to get into being a voice actor is are you a good self starter? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have the misconception that, man, all I need to do is get an agent and then they'll just call me with jobs. <laughs> not true. First of all, it's, yeah. it can be very hard to get an agent. Um, and thankfully, I've had one since I was a kid, <laughs> a few different ones, but I've been where I am for quite a while now. But um, I mean, once you get an agent, they can get you some auditions, but you got to hustle. You got to have the chops. You got to you got to do it. You're not you, to this day. I still have relatives on one side of my family who think that all I do is sit around all day <laughs> and call up my agent. And go, you know what? I want to work. Can you put me on something like they, they legitimately think that's how it goes and that's not how it goes you audition for a ton of stuff that you never get and sometimes you get fortunate and you and you book something we're like kindred spirits i think because that is literally on for the rest of us in the building like it's the same same song man like you test for shows and you do the best you can and if if you can bring the right chops, the right experience, and the right attitude to it, then maybe you get that show and you get to draw on it, and maybe it's only for one freelance 
episode or maybe you end up lucky on spongebob and you're there for you know 12 seasons or whatever i think they're going into season 12 now or maybe you come in and nail it and they go we loved chris super talented great guy not right now but maybe down the line two years later they bring you in because they remember you absolutely yeah um man that's so good i I did want to say one other thing i i know some actors look at I've heard before actors say, um, we don't get paid to act, we get paid for all the auditions that we don't book. And I don't really look at it that way. I look at it as, yeah, I get paid for the gig that you hire me for, but the reason I can come and deliver on that gig is because I've put in my time studying classes and put in my time on so many of these auditions that I didn't get that each one I try to learn from and I try to get better from so that I can bring my best self to the gig that I do book. Yeah, well, that's good. It's poetic. I love it. <laughs> That's good, man. Um, so now that you've been doing this for so long, I can't imagine what your answer will be, but um, what do you think is your process for generating new characters? Because you often have to generate new characters, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's done on the fly. Like in the case of Teen Titans Go, there are a lot of times where they don't we really don't have a lot of guest cast a lot of times they call on us to do additional voices so sometimes just in the moment sometimes we'll get a heads up the night before we get our scripts the night before and we come in and sometimes we'll get a heads up like you're going to be playing the easter bunny all right <laughs> so you know yeah. okay what's this guy about okay he's very annoying mm, happy easter everyone mm, you just kind of come up <laughs> with something on the fly yeah um but other times What's helpful to me uh, are when, if I have a rendering of a character for an audition, that that's very helpful. Oh, okay. Uh, a little bit of a description, but sometimes a rendering, you might see a character that has braces, and so you decide to voice the guy in, in that way, or it, maybe he's got a big Adam's apple, so his, maybe his voice kind of, uh, I don't know, something like that. I'm just coming yeah. up with, you know, hacky, <laughs> hacky stuff on the moment here. Yeah. Um, but another thing I do is uh, I often call on characters who I know in real life, people I either know or people I've observed. And some of those things have made it into shows that I've booked. Wow. Um, so I was on a show a long time ago called The Brothers Flub, and there were two characters who were The Brothers Flub. Mm-hmm. There's somebody in my real life who kind of talked like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, my character, Fraz Flub, was a worrier, so I just added that, and now uh, doom is nigh upon us. <laughs> it became that. Or yeah. Sneezy, which we worked on. I did yeah, Sneezy the on the 7D. Yeah. Uh, I know a guy that kind of talks like this a little bit. Hey, what's, <laughs> what's up, dude? So for Sneezy, I kind of pitched it up, made it a little more nasal, and, and then I, I added a little bit of J- Jimmy Stewart in it. And then, of course, you sneeze. You sneeze. You sneeze. You sneeze. <laughs> so sometimes there's it, a character voice comes that way. Dude, that's so good. Man, it's... I don't know if you've ever watched yourself do the voices, but it's magical like to watch you think about it's like you're picturing the character in your mind as you do it. Like it's it's really impressive. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a that's very, very cool. nice of you to say. There I don't generally watch myself doing it, but oh, okay. um I just we were just down 2 months ago at San Diego Comic-Con. And I was doing an interview, a bunch of interviews for Teen Titans Go, and somebody was, one of the interviewers was saying something about, uh, I do Birdarang on the show. What's up, fellas? That's off the hook, yo. But I, they were asking me about that annoying Easter Bunny voice that I do. Yeah. And somebody, um, my wife was down there and was taking some pictures of me during this interview, and one of the pictures came back, and I looked horrible. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're doing that annoying Easter Bunny voice there. So <laughs> yeah. And sometimes when you see yourself, it's like, oh, gosh, do I look like that? <laughs> That's so good. But like you said, you have to be not afraid for that to come out. Yeah. It's got to that's how you get the authenticity of that voice you yeah. know is you got to be that character can i i want to piggyback one other thing another yeah years ago i was on a great show that i'm still so sad it's not around it was called mission hill oh yeah and my character voice was kevin french andy that is pornography and it's not for minors but his laugh mm-hmm. came from a buddy who I, <laughs> who i had who laughed like <laughs> and so i just made it <laughs> so, sometimes i steal things from people and put it in yeah well, I can't imagine, like, um, was it, um, didn't you do some voices on, like, Rugrats? Were you the, the dudes that, like... I did, yeah. Like, I was... Uh, store clerks? I something? don't remember who was who, but I was Larry yeah. and Steve, and uh, I remember, you know, I don't know, 
I remember them talking about skateboards one yeah. time and like, uh, forget you, dude. Grody boards are the best. No way, dude. Beanie boards rule. Forget you, man. Forget you. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of. And it's just funny. Like, I can't imagine like, well, now I can because I've seen it. But like arguing with yourself, like doing that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. and just being two characters and then probably siphoning off of people you know, especially if you are around that age bracket of like close to 15 and the characters are close to 15 this kind of all comes together yeah man yeah that was fun doing that one (laughs) yeah have scenes talking to myself it was it was a fun show do you have to sing much uh yeah i've sung on uh well we did some singing on the 7d oh right i've done some singing on teen titans go i just did some singing on a uh, one of those things we're not allowed to talk about on, a, on an episode of something uh, that won't be out for a year. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. but I don't have any problems switching voices talking, but strangely singing. My two characters, one had a singing line, and then the different character had a singing line right afterwards. And I could not. I'm like, guys, I got to just do the song as one guy first and then switch oh, over wow. to the other. So that actually gave me a run for my money. Wow. So even with all the experience, there still can be challenges. Oh, yeah. That's good. Um, so... Speaking of challenges, I just gave myself a perfect segue that I didn't know I was going to do. <laughs> um, what do you think might be one or two um, parts about being a voice actor that are your least favorite? Oh, my least favorite parts. Uh, my that can mean anything. Yeah, my least favorite part are all the little, I don't want to say heartbreaks because that sounds dramatic, but all the times you get knocked down, man. And mm. what I mean by that is all the times you put your heart into an audition and as much as you try to forget about it, a year later you're driving around town and you see the billboard for it and you're like, oh, that was one that I really connected with and I really wanted. And you're happy for the people on it, but there's a party that's like, oh, I'm not going to get invited to that party. Um, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're on something that, a show that you really believe in and it goes away too soon. Like I had yeah. referenced doing that character, Kevin French from Mission Hill. Mission Hill to this day is one of my favorite projects I've ever been a part of. Wow. Uh, it was producers from The Simpsons, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, who were brilliant who developed this primetime animated show and it was marketed poorly and it went away and before its time and thankfully still lives on you know dvd and blu-ray and adult swim uh but that was a heartbreak um a lot of little things like that but i think that's with anything whatever whatever your job title is in this business there's going to be ups and downs and there are no guarantees and it's a roller coaster and we're all if you want stability we're all foolish to have gotten into this if stability is your thing but yeah. Being foolish, we're ones who don't listen to statistics and don't listen to facts and we don't play it safe. And so that's kind of the upside to it is that as much as there are these heartbreaks, there are these wonderful triumphs. And uh, at, at any moment, man, something cool can happen. Yeah, like like being the voice of Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a pretty big one. And um, I, to this day, I thank the wonderful Andrea Romano and Glenn Murakami, who were the ones who cast me in it on the initial series oh yeah that's so good um yeah i can i can totally uh connect to that um uh example that you gave of you know you pour your heart into something at the very beginning and it's it's this show that you get to know about before like a year and a half before the rest of the world and then yeah the, here comes a year and a half later that and you didn't get it and there it all is and yeah it's it's definitely one of those things where you're just like Ah, yeah. like, ah, I wish I was on that show. Um, <laughs> but you, you got to be, to do whatever you do in this business, you have to be resilient. You mm-hmm. have to be able to bounce back and pull yourself up and keep going. And some people, excuse me, some people, it's, it's not for them. And, you know, everybody has their own timeline, but some people finally, I'm a big MMA fan, to use an MMA reference, okay. some people tap out. You know, it's, it's not yeah. for them, but yeah, that's I think you have to be resilient to keep going. Um. Well, my next question might actually kind of hone in on that a little bit more, which is um, what are maybe one or two of your favorite parts about doing this job that keep you wanting to be resilient? Oh, man, we are so I mean, I'm you know this, but I'm just (laughs) I'm not telling you, but I'm telling the listener. We are so fortunate to work with so many talented, skilled, amazing, smart, funny, successful people all the time in this business. That's what keeps me going Mm -hmm. to to be on a session with with writers and showrunners and artists and all these people who are so talented and skilled at what they do that that keeps me going that's 
that's one of the things that, that I love. And, and on the other side, another aspect of that is another aspect of what keeps me going is when you meet fans Mm -hmm. who really connect with something that I've done that we've done, Mm -hmm. whether somebody says that show really got me through a hard time. My parents were going through a divorce and that was the only like safe 30 minutes of my day was to watch that show or somebody saying, you make us laugh every week. It's the one thing we can all watch together as a family or what I've heard of a lot, heard a lot of amazing stories and have had wonderful one-on-one connections with fans. And that, I mean, that's amazing to hear stuff like that because we're in our little insular world. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff doesn't see the light of day till about a year after we do it and you kind of forget about it and you're on to the next thing. So it's, it's like, Oh wow, somebody is watching. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that couldn't have said it any better myself. I mean, in terms of, yeah, like being a part of this process, like, um, those are, those are two great, great points. Now, another thing that I'm always curious to ask people, and this is kind of like a new formulated question for this season of the podcast, and I've always meant to ask people this, and I never got around to it. So you're, I'm testing it out on, on you. Um, the question is... Yes. <laughs> no. I, sometimes. Uh, those are all acceptable answers. Okay. Um, the, the question is, what sort of things do you do outside of work um, to keep your creative mind and energy uh, feeling fresh? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I love to exercise. Oh, yeah? Exercising. You look like it. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> Exercising seems to clear my mind. It lifts my mood and uh, helps me come back fresh to things. Um, to keep my creative mind and energy, I love reading. Mm. I love um, listening to music. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I mean, well, and, you know, acting class and all that kind of stuff, too. Sure, sure. And I guess kind of at the heart of what I'm asking is, and, and these are all perfect answers, but... And you can ask me again and we can redo it if that wasn't <laughs> what you were going for. No, no. <laughs> no, I just was trying to um, get into people's minds about... Okay, let me, let me paint you the picture here. Okay. So the picture is this. I meet a lot of art students um, at, like conventions and all these kinds of things and they ask and I get a lot of emails from students asking like you know now that I've been doing this for as long as I have how do they get to my spot um like what kind of other things should they be doing because you know they they feel like they know they're supposed to draw a lot um and so they do but then what happens they they burn out or they lose interest in drawing or they just don't know what else to draw like they may love drawing anime characters, but like, unless they get moved to Japan and get hired on one of those shows, like that's not going to take them too far. So like, what kind of things they do? And I'm like, do you go on trips? Do you go outside? Do you go to parties? Do you talk to people? Like, you have to experience things, and that adds to what you're going to bring to the craft. And that's kind of why I wanted to reach out to people during this season of the podcast by the way i don't know if i told you you're going to be the season premiere uh episode yeah nice you're going to be episode number 81 so you'll be um the first episode of season five very Um, cool so that's why i'm testing these questions out because in my everyday conversation with people i i learn about what things they do to make them excited to come and tell a new story at work or like what you said I knew a guy who kind of laughed like this, so I made this character laugh like him. These are all nuggets that we bring. They're, they're bits of honesty that we bring to the projects that make people go, man, what a great show, because they, there's something they can connect to. There's nothing worse than, um, and I'm sure you've seen either shows or movies or read books where you can tell that the person's creativity is kind of being phoned in a little bit. like they don't actually know what that experience is like. Yeah. Um, I was watching or I was listening to this singer and I don't want to get too off topic. I was listening to this singer on um, Facebook actually. And she's like doing all these cover songs um, because they're great songs, right? But the reason they're great songs is because the original singers like did them to death, right? Like they, they knew that song inside and out. They wrote it or they co-wrote it, whatever. But then when you, when this, person was singing the covers of those songs you can tell like or you question have you have you even been in love before like have you had your heart truly shattered because you're singing these words and you're hitting the notes 
like the technicality is there, but the experience isn't there. So to bring that back full circle, what I'm talking about, I see a lot of art that way too, where it's like, you're gonna tell me that you know what it's like, you can feel for this character who just got fired when you've never even had a full-time job. Like, you, you don't really know what that's like, and so you are drawing the character sad. But he doesn't feel sad, right? Sure, because sad is a broad term. There are many different types of sadness, many different levels. Right, right. so anyway, all that's to say, I like to find out what where people's creative sources are coming from. And for with you, with exercise and things like that, it's a way to clear your mind or um, even even the example of being in shape allows you to perform better, right? Sure. So these are the kind of things that I'm curious to find out about as the season unfolds, what kind of answers people bring to the table. Well, and also you touched on a lot. You gotta go out and live life for many reasons. For acting, you need life experiences. If I'm gonna play somebody with a broken heart, it helps that I've had my heart broken a few sure. times in relationships in life in the past. Happily married now, thankfully. I <laughs> yeah. love my wife, but yeah, disclaimer. But yeah, but everything that we experience informs us in one way or another, the good or the bad. And that goes for watching, watching content too. Great acting performances inspire and inform me and ones that I don't believe or don't buy at all inform me as well. That's true. But, but on another note though, you need, nobody wants to work with an automaton. <laughs> you need to have a life outside of work and sometimes we're busier than we are at other times. And the times that you're not so busy, it kind of helps to have a life and to keep you sane. So it's not all about like, oh, work, work, and what's going on with this? And why is the phone not ringing? Yeah. So I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit because you were asking what keeps feeding my creative mind. But um, yeah, yeah. when you were talking about the vocalist that you saw on Facebook that was oh, yes. doing covers of yeah. that, but you weren't feeling it, I totally hear you, man. You can. You can see a guitar player on stage who's got all the licks and is ripping up and down the fretboard and it's got all this technical stuff, but you don't feel it. And then mm -hmm. you watch a guy play three chords and it gives you chills and all the hairs on your arms stand up. Yeah. And I'm a big punk rock guy. I grew up on punk rock and I played in bands. And uh, as long as somebody has something authentic to say, that's, that's the kind of art that inspires me. And part of having something authentic to say is going out and living an authentic life and experiencing things and <laughs> yeah. trying to just make your way and... <laughs> so let me um, piggyback off what you're saying because I think this leads into my last question I have for you and then I'll let you get out of here if you haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> but um, the question I wanted to ask is uh, when you think about your career, which you've had a very long, very healthy career, um, what inspires you to still bring passion to your job every day? Man, passion is one thing that I'm not short on. I'm very easily inspired by so many different things. <clears throat> if I show up in an audition and see another actor there who I haven't seen in, in a couple of years, I'm like, oh, good for this guy. He's still going for it, man. He's still doing it. He's still, he's still beating the odds. He's yeah. still in this business. That inspires me. Listening to your podcast inspires me. Oh, thank you. Um, like just the fact that you have a podcast is inspiring. I love seeing people do things. Uh, to see the art that you were making in here is amazing. Stuff that you post on, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. You'll sometimes post you know, sketches of things you're working on. That's inspiring to me. Music inspires me. I'm a big mixed martial arts fan, a fan of the UFC, and some of those fighters are, um, it's amazing what they do. That that stuff inspires me. Um, my family inspires me. People who are authentic inspire me, inspire me. Actors who I've known forever and have worked with so many times still inspire me. Uh, Tara Strong will still pull out a voice that I'm like, I didn't know you had that in you, that was amazing! <laughs> or yeah. Billy West, for, for a couple of years, Billy West has been teaching me he does this amazing um like uh electronic larynx uh voice box th sound wow. and he's, he's been teaching it to me and it just inspires me so much every time he does it and That's i just awesome. i just love it and i don't have it nearly down as awesome as he does it but i don't know little little tricks that people do kevin michael richardson you know coming yeah. in and giving me big hugs inspires me yeah. it, i guess uh 
I don't know. There's a lot that inspires me and keeps me going. I try to have other things going on in life where it's not all work, 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 because that's when you do burn out. And I think that's when you do lose your, the fire. Yeah, man, that's so good. Um, I feel inspired listening to all that stuff that inspires you. Cause it, it, I think what that shows is how much there is to like look around and absorb from, you know, and you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who kind of feel like they're in ruts a lot of times. And it's like, well, then stop looking to the left and turn and look to the right. Look, there's something there to be inspired and yeah. excited about. So, And, you know, there's there's a lot of negativity in the world, and it's a crazy time, but I guess times have always been crazy times. <laughs> a, lot of, like a, neg- a lot of negativity being posted on social media, but, like, you posted something a couple of weeks ago that was, like, a parkour thing, and it was just oh, a, yeah. a video of you doing, like, a silly heel click off something yeah. that was so not parkour that yeah. made me laugh so hard it inspired me. I'm like, this dude took the time to have somebody hold his camera and do this, and it's making me laugh, and that, that like, stuff like that inspires me. That's just somebody so trying funny. to create something, you know? Thank you. Um, that's so funny that you saw that. Uh, actually, it was literally the dumbest thing so my <laughs> wife and i ate at this i love this um, mediterranean place right by my house and we walked outside and I, it's there's this the little dumb planter that's sitting in front of yeah. it and i was like sipping my drink looking at it and you know when you just get this idea for something stupid and i gave her my phone i was like hey will you record this real quick and she's like oh god here we go and so she's standing there like you know all embarrassed like like filming me do this and of course she's like cracking up as she's filming it but yeah like I do this thing and it made me think of speaking of being inspired because it's all cyclical um I was inspired by um, one of my most favorite shows is um The Office and there was an episode where they're doing parkour and it's this just really rudimentary baby version of parkour and even mine was a dumbed down version of that, <laughs> if you can imagine. But yeah, so it's really funny that you brought that up. And I got a lot of love letters for that stupid <laughs> little 13 second video. <laughs> That's good. Maybe I should do more of those. Yeah, man. Um, anyway, well, this has been just completely amazing and such a joy. Um, so I actually have a question for you because you're a storyboard artist. Typically, if you're working on, let's say, an 11 minute show, mm-hmm. how many panels roughly Mm -hmm. on average do you need to draw for a storyboard for an 11 minute show that is a good question um and uh i i wish i had a i guess there isn't there's never a streamlined answer when it's something you care about right everything is super complex but um the number of panels and per storyboard per episode kind of varies based on how much action is involved um we had looked at some storyboards a little bit earlier and I was showing you how I took the time to map out some subtleties of like a character's eyebrows going up, which is really important to that scene to get a particular emotion across. Um, So I wanted to make sure to articulate that in the board. Some scenes are a lot more complex with the action, like um, you did voice on Ninja Turtles, so you know like there's a lot of action scenes on there. That's gonna eat up a lot more panel mileage um so it really depends on the uh weight of the action in the show then it depends on what um style the show is in whether it's a 2d show or a cg show um because in 2d you can get away with doing a little bit less because we do what's called exposure sheets which maps out have you seen those before no exposure sheets essentially um run parallel to a storyboard where it tells the animator by footage the amount of frames how long to go from this panel to this panel so if a character's walking across the floor they'll map out how many frames of animation that should be and it's this whole complicated thing Um, see to interrupt real quick this is the kind of stuff that inspires me i've been doing this since i was 11 and never knew about that till this moment oh i'll show you some that's great okay Uh, that's that's perfect so that you can get away with less on the storyboard because the animation director can fill in the gaps for the animator who's going to take both of those and make it happen for the TV screen. On a CG show, they don't, very, very, very seldom will they use exposure sheets because instead what they do is they build the animatic to time. So that means they need all those filler panels to um articulate how long an action should last. Like let's say Michelangelo running up the wall and flipping backwards over a foot soldier or something like that. So somebody might map that out with, you know, 
um, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then seven, a panel for him to settle, like maybe seven panels just for that couple of steps. So all of that is gonna play into how many panels are gonna end up to be in the board. Um, like we talked about with 7D, that has songs in it, and those are always extremely complex. And seven, at least seven main characters that you need to draw in each panel. At, at least. least. At least, yeah. That's with them sitting at home around the dinner table before the action has even started. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and typically you have like, what, six weeks to do that? Four weeks? Yeah, that's a good, good question. And that kind of depends on uh, the budget of the show um, because they'll truncate that if the budget's smaller, stuff like that. Um, because animation ain't cheap <laughs> um, for any of our parts. Yeah. Right. So I, I often think, sit in a studio at Warner Brothers or something and I think, how much is it costing Warner Brothers for us to have this session for four hours? Especially it, Teen Titans Go. Right. I can't even <laughs> fathom how much. I mean, I, yeah, I can't even. Anyway, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so the point is, yeah, it can it can easily get up into the thousands of panels per episode easily. Um, and yeah, to your, to your question, um, you get a defined amount of time to do that. And so it's really important for people to understand who are trying to get into the industry, who just like to draw. I'm doing air quotes when I say that. Um, this is not the arena for that, right? You can do that in your notebooks and in your textbooks in class. Well, I would imagine, and I know very little about your your job, but I would imagine you have to be precise and you're working against deadlines. Yeah. So you can't start getting sloppy on, you know, board number 500. It still has to be precise. <laughs> it does. And yeah, that also plays into a big part of it. Like, you know, how loose versus how rough, uh, sorry, how rough and loose can you be versus how tight it needs to be. Like if you ever look at a, a Butch Hartman storyboard um, or, you know, from any of his crew members, those things look like coloring books. Like they are so tight and so uh snapped into shape whereas um you know if you look at a lot of uh older um uh regular show boards they're a lot looser because they they're just going for the funny that that it's about the emotion behind the drawing more than let's make this technically sound for an animator to do exactly what we intend with the looser boards that allows for the um, animators to add a little more feeling and a little more interpretation behind there. So, and all of this is typically established not only by the budget, but by the show creator themselves because that's part of the vision they have to have from the beginning to, to set the, the ship on course. Wow. So, I don't know, does that answer your question? Is that sure <laughs> does, yeah. Okay, great. Much respect. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you, I appreciate it. Um, well, Scott, dude, this has been completely amazing. I can't believe you gave me this much of your time. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, and I know that the fans will feel just the same um, because you brought a lot of great um, wisdom and insight into what it takes to do the job that you do. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Awesome. And, oh, by the way, if there's anything I can do for you, please uh, let me know, and I would love to help you out if you ever need a, a doodle of one of your characters. Just be my friend, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you up on the doodle. Okay, awesome. Yeah. We'll do it, man. I can't draw anything. <laughs> going going back to my dad, Yeah. he was an amazing artist, and I was – see, this is – okay, so I have a theory. Yeah. To be an actor, you have to be born with some kind of talent. And to be an artist, you have to be born with some kind of drawing talent. My dad was always like, oh, no, you just need to do it. And I'm like, yeah. Sure, I can do it and get a little bit better, but it's never going to be as good as, like, you guys who, I don't know. I like that. What okay. do you think? I mean, don't you think you have to have, like, a kernel of that Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's got to be the seed there. Yeah, I mean, there definitely has to be the seed or the, the kernel, and then somebody's got to foster that seed. Yes. Um, because you can have that seed and then have everybody tell you, like, don't waste your time. Or vice versa, you can not have that kernel and everybody's saying, just do it, just do it. It's never going to turn out. They're, they're not both going to turn out to be the same person in the end, right? Right. So you do have to have that that kernel for sure. And then I think um, the 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 thing that nurtures that is is the passion we talked about earlier, right? Yeah. Like and then you, the practice and all that stuff. On top. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to want to do. I did this episode with um, a writer, uh, Derek Iverson, last uh, season. Did I've, you hear I've that, heard one? that episode? Yeah. I will never. I to this day I. 
it's tattooed on my brain. He says, um, or he said, uh, do it because you can't not do it. Yeah. And I was just like, like, I never heard it put so eloquently. Yeah. (laughs) So, so simply. Um, and it's just, that's, it's perfect. I can't remember. I was listening to a podcast with some famous actor and I'm not remembering who it is now, but this person was saying that when young people come up to them and say, do you have any advice? Uh, he's like, yeah, go into something else because he feels like if he discourages them, then they weren't meant to do it in the first place. And if they don't listen to him, then they are meant to do it, which I don't know that I would ever try to discourage anybody. I would rather be an encourager, but it was just kind of interesting because as a kid, if somebody told me go into something else, I'd be like, well, forget you, man. I'm going to still go into this. (laughs) I love when you say forget you, man, I, I hear regrets. In my brain. Well, um, trying to keep it clean. My my. Uh, no, I know you. <laughs> my mind edited my uh, my so the good. line that was originally going to come out. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm a big fan of. I don't know if you ever see it, but I like poking fun of fun and at you on Twitter and like always bringing back Wart, the character oh, Wart yeah. on Twitter. I'm always like, I make whenever you post something, I'd be like. Oh, I think like even the Stretch Armstrong thing, you had posted something about that. And I was like, oh, is he going to sound like Wart? That's right. Yeah. Wonder Years. That um, was a, first of all, that was a great show, The Wonder Years. Amazing. And then yeah. I was lucky enough for anybody who hasn't seen it. I recurred in the last two seasons as uh, the older brother's friend, mm-hmm. Wart. And, uh, but the, in my final episode, I, they shipped me off to Vietnam and I came back from Vietnam in my final episode. But, um, that was a special show and a special episode. That episode was written by Bob Brush, the uh, showrunner. And I remember on the crew, there were a, a few Vietnam vets who came up to me on the crew after I'd done my big scene where I had to like cry and, and be scene. sitting in my underwear. And uh, like better than anything that the director or anybody could have said was uh, one of the key grips came up and he said, you know, f- me and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so were in Nam and we all appreciate uh, the way you're playing it. Wow. And so I was like, wow, man. <laughs> Gives me goosebumps because yeah. that was a powerful scene, man. The, the football game, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, powerful scene. Anyway. Great, great show. It's finally on DVD. They got, they got, oh. they ironed out all the licensing with the music and it's finally out on DVD. That That's a huge feat because the there's Wonder a Years. lot of yeah. music uh, in that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cool, man. Well, let me let you get out of here. Thanks again so much. Thank you so much. And just like that, networkers, we are back in the full swing of things. Don't forget to tell Scott what you thought of this episode. He's dying to hear from you. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Menville. And don't forget to subscribe to the new Tan video series, which picks back up on Thursday, this Thursday. Don't forget to subscribe for the free newsletter, which picks back up next week. Don't forget to share this with family, friends, and lovers. Most importantly, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. It really helps us keep getting amazing guests like Scott. It's not just a popularity contest that we're trying to prove something. We really do appreciate everything you guys have to say. Um, Also, you can do all of these things through the website, theanimationnetwork.org. You can also find ways to get in touch with us. So go take a look at that website. Lastly, for the big news about the TAN slash CNS mixer, let me give you some details. So first of all, there's only 100 tickets to give away because it's super, super exclusive. We want to keep this to the people who uh, really want to be there. So 100 tickets And actually, some of those are even gone now to those who got the early release tickets through social media. So that's why you got to follow us those places so you can see when those things are happening. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, super exclusive, rooftop, downtown, yeah, I get it. How much is this going to cost? Only 100% free. That's right. We're not charging a dollar for these tickets. We are giving them away for free to celebrate the launch of this season five. So you gotta jump on these things right away. How do you get one? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is gonna be on a first come first served basis. And all you have to do is send an email to the animation network RSVP at gmail.com and let us know that you want one of the free tickets. And that's all you have to do to reserve your free spot. That's it. The rest will be explained in your confirmation email if you get a spot. 
you know, things like the guest speakers that will be there, the amazing raffles we'll have set up, and even info on the after party. So the mixer is going to be held on Friday the 29th at 6.30 p.m. So send in your RSVP email right now and then mark your calendars, arrange for your dog sitter, whatever you got to do because we're going to have a great time. So I think that's it, everybody. That's all I got for this episode. And as always, thank you so much for tuning into and being part of the Animation Network. Don't forget to check out all of our extras online. Visit theanimationnetwork.org for events and news and helpful services. And connect with us on Twitter at TAN underscore podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash animation network podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the free newsletter and YouTube channel for additional content to boost what you've already learned here. So much free stuff. Go, go now.